Listener Production. Have you ever been at dinner with your mates and someone comes up with this really clever idea and you all agree it could totally be an app? I would use that app. We would download that app. Well, Elise McCann is the kind of person who actually does just that. Elise is a theatre performer turned entrepreneur. You've probably heard her sing with the Melbourne Symphony Orchestra or watched her perform as Miss Honey in the Australian musical production of Matilda or watched her on telly headlining charity galas or carols in the domain. Elise is the consummate performer and now also the co-founder of a new wellness app, Hey Lemonade. So how does a creative reinvent themselves in the world of business and tech? What does it take to succeed in an entirely foreign field of work? My name is Jamila Risby and welcome to The Weekend Briefing for 2023. Up next, The Weekend List, where we recommend what to watch, see, eat, do and listen to on The Weekend. But first, here is my conversation with Elise McCann. Elise McCann, welcome to The Weekend Briefing. Hello, thank you for having me. I'm so excited to be here. Hey, I was trying to remember the first time that I knew of you and heard of you and was excited by your work and by your career. And I think it was around 2015, maybe 2016, when you were playing Miss Honey in the Australian production of Matilda. Have I got my timeline right? You have nailed it. We opened in Sydney in 2015 and we came to Melbourne in 2016 and it was a wild ride. Yeah. Yeah. It was one of the first grown up out of the house things I did without a baby just after my son was born. (laughs) And I remember feeling like I was at the theatre and no one had spat on me or vomited or pooed on me today. I was clean. I wore a nice dress. I just loved it. You were spectacular. Oh, thank you. I mean, what a show to go to when you've just had children. It's all about that inner child. And I mean, it's such a perfect show for everyone, though, I think. Like it's a, an adults and children alike beauty. Tell me about you as a kid. When did you fall in love with musical theatre? I was such a nerd as a kid. I, um, I was one of those kids that used to watch like movie musicals and I would sing along and I was a terrible singer when I was a kid. I think people assume that because I can sing now that I must have been good, but I wasn't. I used to sing out of tune so much. So this is a shout out to any young people that want to be a singer. Just keep practicing and get some singing lessons. But, um, yeah, I used to sing along to all the movie musicals and just listen to Broadway albums and try and imitate them. It was so nerdy, but now it's, you know, given me a career. So I'm grateful. Okay. I love that piece of advice. I'm not sure if I 100% believe it, having been a very bad singer my whole life. (laughs) The idea that it is possible not to be, that is hard for me to believe, but I like the dream. Yeah. And having seen your work all over the place, you are truly prolific. Maybe it will be a later in life career change. Stay tuned, everybody. Stay tuned. (laughs) I want to ask you what happened in 2020 because, Elise, you're someone who is primarily a live performer. So many performers had their industries decimated by the pandemic, but nonetheless, a lot of people did have alternatives. There were television options or radio options, podcasting, YouTube, It's not ideal, but when you're stuck at home, it's an option. But when it comes to live theatre, that isn't an option. It just does not work anywhere else. Yeah, it relies on an audience. Like they are a vital 
part of that kind of connection and of that actually occurring. Um, Absolutely. It was such a tough time on so many levels. I think, you know, as a performer, particularly in live performance, you become really good at changing jobs all the time. You change kind of like employers all the time. So you become quite resilient at something ending and then having to start something again and find a way to remain, uh, I guess, positive. But this was different because we'd never had something like that where the entire industry is shut down. And I think it really pulled the rug out from a lot of people. I have always been a big advocate of doing other things or finding other things that give you joy because I think that, you know, as a, in live performance particularly, you give so much energy at all times outwards in TV and film. It's not, um, it's a different medium. You know, the final edit is decided by the editor, the director. Like you can't control, you know, what is actually going to be seen. But when you're performing live for 2,000 people, you have to like be performing to the back row. So you, and you just give so much energy so you can burn out. And so I just think that I've always tried to find something else, even if it was like, I'm going to get into vegan cooking or I'm going to do a lot of yoga or I learned to, I taught myself to ride a bike when I was in Perth doing South Pacific years ago. Amazing. I mean, it's brutal that I never could ride a bike until the age of 25, but still. But yeah, I always tried to find something else that could give me a sense of joy. And so that's kind of how I how I had to regroup really quickly when COVID happened and go, okay, find something else that is an intermediary so that I don't feel that sense of hopelessness. It was really the whole industry that went through it all at once, no matter what level of fame or success, right? Yeah. When Broadway was shut down, the West End was shut down and theatres were shut down here in Australia too. Did you find solace with friends who were colleagues, like other people in the industry, that sort of could help you get through? Yes, yes, 100%. Um, I actually was in New York at the time that Broadway shut and because I'd been living there and I thought, oh, this has never happened before. This feels serious. And a friend of mine, um, David Campbell, who's the, one of the Today Extra hosts, he had said, we have a Marco Polo group and he said, hey, I think you should get back. Like, this, this is serious. And so I, you know, basically flew back. And thankfully, as you said, there was like, it was happening to everyone. And I have had a lovely career in this industry. So a lot of my f- immediate friends are people involved in the entertainment industry in some form. And there was a sense of like, um, at least we're all going through it together. And, um, but it was really tough. And my mum at the time was going through cancer treatment. And so I, there was a lot of stress around that because I was like, how is this going to impact? I can't see her because I don't want to, I've just been traveling. I don't want to risk her getting it. It was so stressful and a kind of stress I'd not experienced before. And so I started doing meditation apps. I've told you this before because you know a little bit about um, me and the journey we've been on recently, but I started doing meditation apps and um, a lot of people in our industry were finding ways to find support. And I um, I know that you know Lucy Durack really well, but Lou Durack and I would often go for walks. And one day we went for a walk and we were kind of really she kind of became like a real companion that we would, I'd be able to vent to and kind of, because Lucy is similar to me, quite pragmatic, but ultimately optimistic. And I needed that sense of optimism as opposed to that sense of, oh, it's all over, you know, the sense of um, fear. I needed someone that had optimism and that was, that was Lucy. She kind of became my mini cheerleader. Well, Lucy has been a guest on the podcast, folks. So when you finish this episode, you can go back to the briefing feed and find her episode of The Weekend Briefing. You two do have a lot in common, Mm. I think. I know you both a little bit and you both have a beautiful, positive, sunshiny energy that feels incredibly supportive. It's like being in your presence is a really warm hug. I think it's worth pausing 
for a moment to kind of talk about mental health and how people felt in those early days of the pandemic, because even those people who present to the world as generally incredibly happy people, it was such a rattling and upending time. And yeah, I think no one got through it entirely unscathed. No. And I think that even the people that were, that are the most resilient or the most, um, kind of forward moving in those situations that like they find ways to kind of cope people with that, that real, you know, that real self coping efficacy. They, even then you hit a burnout point. Uh, you know, I think that, you know, some people were like, I'm going to learn to bake bread. Now I'm going to learn another skill. I'm going to transfer everything online, you know? And so that there was a sense of movement. People kept trying to move almost like ducks paddling really fiercely under the water so they could keep above the water. But I think even those people that seemed like they got through COVID in its tangible time, I think they hit burnout when we kind of, the world started to open up again. Because so no one, I really agree with you, no one has been unscathed. It's just hit people in different ways. And I think that one of the blessings, I think, has been the ability for us as a community, like as a greater society, to realize how important connection is and community is and to realize how okay it is to not be okay. Because I think until everyone goes through it, we, we still did, no matter how much we talked about it. There's been stigma around mental health. There's been stigma around feeling or communicating that you're not doing okay. And I think that finally it started to hit home that that's, you know, that is normal and you can only do your best on any one given day. I feel like as a society, I think we are getting better at talking about mental illness and yeah. mental health and the need to look after your mental health. Before the pandemic, we were getting better. And one of the rare silver linings of the last couple of years has been a sort of acceleration of that conversation and definitely, definitely. a normalization of, of that discussion. Yeah. But I know that together you and Lucy have had some conversations that were about the fact that when you went out to try and find audio solutions or apps or podcasts or whatever to support you through the pandemic, they generally were not quite right for you, mostly because they were focused on on severe mental illness or serious mental illness you two were at a point where you were trying to look after and preserve your mental health. It was almost like it was more preventative. Exactly that. You, um, I need you to be our spokesperson because you've exactly nailed it on the head. But yes, Luce and I, I, I mean, I'll speak specifically for me, but I, um, yeah, I wasn't feeling, it wasn't something serious, serious. Like it wasn't, uh, you know, a serious depression or a serious, serious anxiety and I have had that in the past. Like I had a little mini nervous breakdown in 2009. So I know what that looks like and I know how hard that can be to come through um, and the kind of support you need. And it wasn't that. It was just, it was the everyday stresses that left untreated um, or even unacknowledged that kind of bubble and build into something bigger. And so that was it. We'll, we were talking and Luce and I basically, we went for this walk. And as I said, we'd been looking for some support mechanisms um, and we tried meditation and tried, you know, different podcasts. And because there was something about, as we said in COVID, we couldn't really get together with people as much. So we were needing to find alternative ways to access remotely, to access in the moment. And everything we found was, um, well, for me, a little bit woo-woo. Like I, I, um, and, and also I often felt like I wasn't doing it right. And I think because my, um, in case you can't tell anyone listening from the pace at which I talk, and I'm trying really hard to talk slowly. But I talk at a million miles an hour, like my brain moves really quickly. And so often I, I struggle sometimes with meditation and I know it's an amazing practice. I struggle always with meditation. It's so hard. And that's the thing. And it takes, um, and it's wonderful. And people that, that you know, do it regularly, it, it's fantastic. 
Um, I'm in no way uh, trying to dismiss or diminish it. It's just that it requires consistent practice. And for me, it wasn't, I, I needed something at that moment, in the moment. And, um, and you know, Luce often found that she didn't love the voice of the person that she was listening to, or she was trying to multitask because Lucy had like a two-year-old, not even a one-year-old and, you know, a five-year-old and was trying to change a nappy whilst, and that was the only time she had to listen or do something for herself and then felt like, oh, I'm failing at this because this isn't the way you're supposed to do it. And so, yeah, we went for this walk, we had a chat and we're like, this is what I need. A little a quick chat with a friend to kind of like, like a mini pep talk to circuit break this stuff to say it's normal. It's okay. Here are some really pragmatic ways that you can kind of like look at this situation and get on with your day. And so then we tried to find something like that and couldn't find it. And so we tried to make it. And that's what we've tried to do with Hey Lemonade, which is our, our new business. Let's talk more about Hey Lemonade in a moment. I have some questions about what comes before because making an app is a bit like saying you're going to start a podcast. Like literally everyone at some point in their lives goes, oh my God, that is such a good idea. We should make an app, right? Yeah. But there is a big difference between those thousands of people and the people who actually do it. Mm. So... I want to ask about the first instinct and the emotional or mental process that you had to go through because you are a performer, not a business person. So what made you take that leap of faith and what qualities in you meant that you felt comfortable having a go? That's a great question. And look, I think that um, in complete honesty, I think Lucy and my naivety of like creating something in the tech world. Naivety, that was our quality. No, but like, it's true. Like, you know, how you know how hard something's going to be, you often won't approach it. And we didn't really, I don't think we quite knew the magnitude of how massive a jump and the learning curve this would be. And so that was kind of our superpower because you think this will be fine. But also Luce and I naturally are quite yes and people where like we'll tend to say yes to an opportunity and then figure out how to do it or how to make it work rather than solve all the issues or spot fire all the issues first. And that, that kind of is the thing that stops most people because they think, oh, what if this doesn't work? We kind of say yes, d- jump in and then figure it out. So that's like a natural, I think, quality. For me personally, I, I, I did a law degree. And so like I knew and I have done some producing and things like that. So I knew bits of like how to bring things together. And I just thought, it'll be okay. I I actually thought, I originally thought, oh, this will be a set and forget. We'll get someone to like, um, we'll we'll write all the content and it'll be great. And we'll get some friends to record it. And then we'll have someone build the app and then it will just sit there. And then we swiftly realized that is not going to work. That is not what people want. That's not what we want. And just kind of, you know, built, built, built. Like there are better people that can write this. We need psychologists. We need, and it just kind of grew. But because it was an incremental growth, we were kind of already in. And I think because Lucy and I were doing it together. Whenever one of us was kind of like overwhelmed or slightly flailing, the other person somehow was able to, I guess, um, keep it together, kind of keep us on track. So that was a real blessing. We, we actually did a, a business accelerator course. We, through SBE, which is a, um, an institution, Australian institution that, um, supports and empowers female entrepreneurs and particularly kind of does accelerator and, and, you know, business elevation courses. And um, so we were doing this course with 12 other female founders and um, Luce and I were one of two sets that were pairs. Everyone else was on their own. And we kind of realized then like how lucky we were that we were doing it together because it, it, it would be much harder on your own. 
But yeah, I think it was also just that thing of like, what have you got to lose? We're going to lose some time. We might lose some money, but we'll learn heaps. So let's try it. And if nothing else happens, like we even say this now, like if we hope that the app, you know, keeps going wonderfully, it's had a wonderful reception and we hope that it's useful. But at the very least, we set out to make something that we thought would be that we wanted for ourselves and that we thought could be of use to someone. So even if it's of use to one person, it's succeeded and that's okay. So just like shifting what the barometers of success are has been a useful mental tool for me to keep going. You said that you are a yes and person. That's a theatre term, right? Yes, it is. Exactly. It's like it's a from an improv, improv, so improv. So if anyone's, you know, you've been to Second City in Chicago or watch Tina Fey or any of those fabulous people. It's, um, it's basically where someone makes an offer and you, you should say yes and then build on the offer rather than shutting down the offer. So if someone, you know, comes at you with a character or a scenario that you're supposed to impro off, don't shut it down, go with it. Have you found that there have been learnings from your life on stage or in theatre and productions that have surprised you in their relevance to the business world? Oh my gosh, 100%. And this is going to sound silly, but one, part of that yes and thing of like being really open to collaboration, which I think that particularly when you're in a startup, you can often feel like you really need to hold control tightly because everything is so, um, it's so important and because it's so new, but that kind of openness to collaboration has been really great. But also, Liz and I have prepped for all of our business meetings and like, you know, pitching to big CEOs and corporates and we've approached them as we would like a script or as you would a show or an audition. Yeah, right. Yeah, we're like, we'll we'll write a script and then we'll learn it and then we'll figure out the best way to say something the most concisely or we'll, you know, and we'll approach the branding of the app as as if it's a personality like we would like to approach our personality or the way that we present to the world. So, yeah, it's been, it's really remarkable actually. It's been kind of quite affirming. I love that, transferable skills. Yes, You've created this app that is a real live thing now. It's sitting here on my phone and people can buy it and they can use it and benefit from it. And it's full of these little psychological pep talks delivered in a in a super fun way. But for you as the founder, what is one of the things or, or maybe a couple of things that you've learned from the writers and the psychologists through the pep talks that you have helped create? I often have found myself getting more stressed over the course of time because I really, Luce and I really want this to be good. And we really, and so many people have taken a chance on us, like all of the amazing writers, all the amazing voices like yourself, like have really backed us in this. And so we really, really want it to be good. We're really working really hard to do so. And because of that though, then sometimes I get really stressed about things. And then I, it's not until I go and listen to a pep talk or I read someone's script or I talk again to the psychologist and I go, oh my gosh, the whole purpose of this is to actually do the opposite. And so actually it's been a really great I've learned so many things like during, just before launch, I was well listening to um, different people's versions of uh, imposter syndrome or on the verge of burnout or when you feel overwhelmed or you get everything that you wanted and then all of a sudden, but you get it all at once and all of a sudden you feel overwhelmed. And I was like, I can resonate with every one of these and I need to take some of these tips on board. Um, so it's actually been really good to build my own personal like resource kitty. But from a everyday situation, it's kind of been a really great reminder that I often can be my own kind of obstacle. You know, you, I can make things harder for myself than they actually need to be. Theatre is back. The world is back. Theatre that. What does it feel like to be back and what are you up to at the moment? Oh, my God, it's amazing to be back. I, I 
I love performing. Like I love all the jobs that I get to do. I feel so grateful I get to do all the things I do, but I love performing. It just gives me so much joy. It makes me feel so happy as a person. And I feel like if I didn't get to perform, I wouldn't be as good a person. Uh, and so I've recently been doing these Barbara Streisand concerts around the country and working on a film and um, I've got a musical coming up that I'm really excited to do. And so honestly, it's just, I, I just, I love it. I just love it so much. I know it's so nerdy for so many people, but it just, I just love singing and I love acting and I just feel so lucky that I get to do it. Well, we are obsessed with and we love your nerdiness. Thank you so much for being a guest on The Weekend Briefing, Elise. Thank you for having me. I am obsessed with you. That's it for my conversation with Elise McCann. You can check out her new wellness app, which she created with a friend, Lucy Durack. It's called Hey Lemonade. If you have a bit of a poke around in there, you'll also see that I did a touch of work for them at one point and I have voiced some of the pep talks. I really hope you enjoy it. Don't go away right now though, because Bron is hitting the studio and we've got the weekend list. It is weekend list time. Honestly, I'm not sure what you've all been doing for the last month because you hadn't had wonderful recommendations from Bron and I on what to do with your time. But Bron is here. She's back. She's been consuming the culture. What have you got for us, Bron? I certainly have. So my first one is a movie on Netflix, Glass Onion, A Knives Out Mystery. I'm sure this is all over everybody's page at the moment. They're really pushing it out, but it is so much fun. It's a murder mystery film by the people who made Knives Out, the original movie. It's standalone from the original, so you don't have to have seen Knives Out before putting this one on. The only carryover really is the main detective who is played by Daniel Craig, who is amazing in this. The entire cast is unbelievable. You have Kate Hudson, Leslie Odom Jr., Edward Norton, heaps of big stars. The plot is about a billionaire who I believe I was meant to resemble some qualities of Elon Musk. He invites a group of his friends over for this big murder mystery party on a private island in Greece through the pandemic where then an actual murder takes place on the island that needs to be solved. So um, I won't give too much of the plot away, but yes, it was a lot of fun. I love a murder mystery, but uh, yeah, maybe don't go into it thinking it's going to be the same as the original. It is slightly different to the original, but it was still so great and easy to watch. I actually watched that last night and oh my God, it was so good. I had so much fun. I laughed until I cried and every time another star kept walking on screen, I was just like, how, how, how did they get all these people? So many cameos. <laughs> I am also going to recommend something to watch. I want to recommend a television show and that is Fleischman is in Trouble, which is currently on Apple TV. It's based on uh, the book of the same name and I loved the book when it first came out. In fact, I think I might have recommended the book a few years ago on an episode of The Weekend Briefing. It stars Jesse Eisenberg, Claire Danes, Lizzie Kaplan. So again, some really great stars in this one. It's all about a guy called Fleischman who is getting back into dating uh, in his 40s after his ex-wife has mysteriously disappeared and left him with the kids. It is unexpected and funny and dark, but also has some really like significant life lessons, but delivered in a way that is utterly not moralistic. And as someone who loved the book, I also love the TV show and that is often hard to achieve. You've reached Rachel Fleischman. Is she still gone? I'm starting to think that it hasn't really gone on this long, you know? What if something has happened to her? That sounds so interesting. 
My next one is Verity by Colleen Hoover. This is my first book by I've read by Colleen Hoover. I know she's like much loved in the book community. This book was absolutely wild. It's in the thriller category. It's about Lowen Ashley, who's a struggling writer. She gets this amazing opportunity to finish off a book series from a famous author called Verity, who has gone through this accident and suffered brain damage. So she's unable to finish her own book series. So Lowen Ashley, she moves into Verity's house where things aren't what they seem. It's got lots of twists and turns. I couldn't put it down. I literally read it in two sittings and I'm still thinking about the ending days later. It's got like a few disturbing scenes though. It's super dark at some point. So if you're not in the mood for that, maybe give it a miss. But if you like a twisted thriller, this is unbelievable. I love a twisted thriller. I am twisty on the insides. I'm so into this, Bron. Thank you for that recommendation. My final recommendation is a podcast, which has been around forever, but is one I just never kind of entered the universe of. And so I wanted to recommend it because if you're like me and you sometimes hear about big podcasts and you go, oh yeah, I'm not like, I'm too late. I can't do that. Uh, You're not too late. You are not too late. You can jump on board right now. Some of you may just be jumping on board the briefing podcast, in fact. So I want to recommend the Rewatchables, which is a movie review podcast. It's out of the States. It's by the Ringer Network. And essentially, Bill Simmons brings together a group of people every week to talk about a film that they loved and they dissect it with incredible detail but also they really do their research. So they bring really great fun facts to the table, a whole bunch of information about your favourite films that you probably didn't know. And then they have some really fun ways of rating and unpacking and regular segments of how they talk about different movies. I've been listening to a few of them lately and it always makes me want to go and re-watch the film. And so my husband and I have actually been flipping it now and we go and we find the podcast we want to watch and then we go re-watch that movie and then we come back again. Uh, And it has just been a really joyous way to kind of go on a trip down memory lane with some of my favourite films. That's it for the weekend briefing today and also the weekend list. Thank you so much for being with us and rejoining us in 2023. We are going to love having your company every Saturday over the coming weeks and months of this year. If you have been enjoying the show, please take the time to go and rate and review. It will help other people to find the podcast. If you can't figure out how to rate and review, it's probably because you're not following us and not subscribed. So you should also do that too. We will be back bright and early Monday morning where Tom Tilly and the team will have the latest headlines straight to your headphones. Listener.